0: Fuel, give me five, give me that which I desire. Hey
1: everybody, welcome to Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I'm your host and fellow Metallica fan, my name is Brandon. This is part 6 of Metallicast Black Summer, my 10-week chronological track-by-track breakdown of the classic Black album. Now you might be thinking, 10 weeks? But there are 12 songs on the Black Album. What is going on here? Let me tell you what is going on. Two of these episodes will be two songs. Two for the price of one. In part six, this episode right here that you're listening to is one of those episodes. I'll be looking at track six and track seven off the Black Album. Or if I think back to my cassette days, the end of side A, the beginning of side B. I am talking about Don't Tread on Me and Through the Never. But before I get to those songs, there is some current Metallica news I want to cover. Last week, I released a Metallicast mini about the ticket scandal. I gave my two cents about it. So if you want to hear my thoughts and opinions on the matter, please go check out the mini episode from last week. I said in that episode, if any more came to the story, there are other developments that I would do a follow-up, maybe another mini-episode, maybe a full-length, whatever I felt the story called for. Now, there really has not been much news since that episode. Metallica has still not released a statement. I'm assuming at this point that we're not going to get a statement from them. I'm thinking that they're going to let this whole story kind of blow over. Or at least they are hoping the whole story will blow over. Um, But one little tidbit that came out this week is... Representative Bill Pascrell from New Jersey, uh, for about the last decade, has been trying to get what he's calling the Boss Act off the ground. The Boss Act, of course, being named after New Jersey's own Bruce Springsteen, and he did a testimony before the Energy and Commerce Committee about this, uh, about the music industry and specifically Live Nation and all the problems that have been going on with tickets. Um, in light of the recent news with Metallica, usually I save the drinking games for my other podcast, the Corpse Pay podcast, which, by the way, you should download, subscribe, and check out on Apple Podcasts, Google, Anchor, com, pretty much anywhere you can find this here show. But I'm going to play this speech for you from Bill Pascrell. And what I encourage you to do is open up a can of Internet Pilsner and drink every time the
0: man makes a reference to a Metallica song. I thank you for the opportunity to highlight uh, the need for transparency and regulation in the badly corrupted primary and secondary live events ticket marketplace. Been in the press a lot lately. Uh, we tried nine years ago unsuccessfully and I think it's time again that we look here. So my, one of my favorite groups is the Metallica Uh, where a lot of the young people today like to go to their concerts and spend, and I think they have to give a pint of blood, too, in order to get in there because the tickets are so expensive. Um, I followed this marketplace for over a decade. Uh, Wherever I may roam is one of Metallica's songs. Uh, Wherever I go across the country, Canada, uh, I hear complaints, from my constituents on their frantic ticket master, uh, frantic experience with ticket sales. And you can't believe the mail that we get on this subject. It's the furthest thing with all of our minds when we come to work in the morning, but I'm telling you fact of life here. The combined vehemence dominates a nine billion per year industry and holds over 80% of market share. They have sway over everything, including the peanuts you buy there. The record sales, uh, licensing, uh, the talent, the talent, talent management, venue ownership, ticket sales, the concessions, down to selling hot dogs and pretzels. You name it, it's there. If there ever was a monopoly, this is it. Sorry, Mr. Holden, you blew it. You know what I'm talking about. He permitted the merger of. The GAO study of the live tickets industry that Chairman Pallone and I requested notes questionable industry practices that surprised no one who has tried to buy tickets. It's important to emphasize the marketplace has been governed by zero federal regulation. Live Nation operates with impunity. Another Metallica song, nothing else matters to them but profits. It's time for Congress to turn the page, pass legislation to add regulation impose some order and stop at actors who make a living by ripping off regular folks daily. The better oversight of secondary sales and accountability of concert ticket, better known as the BOSS Act, geez, I wonder why we named it that, is co- endorsed by all the consumer groups and attacks problems of both the primary and secondary ticket marketplace. The BOSS Act makes one easy fix, bans the last second fees, requires every seller advertising all fees up front, which most none of them do. GAO estimated that primary and secondary ticketing companies charge fees averaging 27 and 31% of the ticket price. In my neighborhood of Patterson, New Jersey, that's called thievery. At the FTC's ticket forum last month, nearly every stakeholder agreed that they could accept such a law. And for fans, all in pricing would allow for easier comparison, stopping to find the best deal. The Act lets ticket buyers know how many tickets are going on sale, how many are going to be held back, and where those tickets are coming from. It will also prevent those with connections to venues and artists from knowingly reselling tickets at a jacked up price. For the secondary marketplace, the Borsak addresses speculative ticket sales and so-called white label sites that trick consumers. I first introduced the bill 12 years ago when there was a major issue with Bruce Springsteen tour and these problems are not going away. Just last week, Billboard magazine uncovered the latest scam. Unbeknownst to fans, apparently Ticketmaster Live Nation was working with the band's management to hold back 88,000 tickets and post them directly on resale sites. That's sad, but it is true. Ticketmaster has denied past participation in such schemes But in the the case of Whiplash, Live Nation admitted to the scheme last week and about a dozen artists between 2016 and 2017. It could still be doing the same. This is wrong. I think we need a commitment to toll the bell for an end of the unregulated ticket marketplace by passing the, the BOSS Act. And I'm open for any questions and I duly appreciate your time and your efforts
1: on all the issues that you deal with hopefully you played along with my drinking game and you are now drunk i find the more you drink the better this podcast is so do yourself the favor like i said i released a metallica's mini about this matter so i'm not going to go into details on what I think of it all. Go listen to that episode if you want to hear what I have to say. But I wanted to share at least that little tidbit of information. Hard to argue with them, even if it was corny. Um, but in other Metallica news, speaking of ticket issues, if you're not able to get a ticket for one of the two S&M 2 shows, which is just over a month away, then... I got good news for you. It was announced by Metallica. It was rumored at the beginning of the week. It has been officially announced now that they will record the shows. They will produce the shows. They will edit the shows. And one of the nights, or probably a combination of the two nights, will be put together for a theatrical release the statement by the band says, as many of you know, we were blown away by the response to sm 2 when we announced the first and then second show this past spring. For those of you who can't attend either of the gigs in the Bay Area, we still want to share this unique performance with you. On October 9th, we are psyched to be bringing you s 2, a celebration of the 20th anniversary of the original S&M concerts, album, and film that also commemorates the grand opening of the state-of-the-art Chase Center, a historic addition to San Francisco's waterfront. This one-night-only event will be shown in over 3,000 movie theaters around the world. Recorded live on September 6th and 8th, sm 2 will see us joining forces once again with the San Francisco Symphony, led in part by legendary conductor Michael Tilson Thomas, as he kicks off his final season. We'll be performing several tracks from the original 99 and S&M release, as well as symphonic versions of new songs released since then. Movie theaters are still being confirmed. The tickets will go on sale August 7th. So visit Metallica.film to sign up for alerts, including more ticket on sale details, and stay up to date on all the latest information for this one night only film event. This is very exciting. Hopefully it'll be playing at a theater I can easily get to. So I can see this wonderful, wonderful concert film. Hopefully too, this means we will also get maybe a Blu-ray or at least a formal album. Really hoping we get an album out of this. But hopefully we'll get more information from the band soon. One more piece of Metallica news that somewhat connects to the real subject of this episode. A Canadian woman used Metallica's music to scare off a cougar while walking her dog last week. This is an article on blabbermouth.net that I saw today. And the article says, Dee Gallant and our husky Murphy were out for their usual evening stroll on a logging road just outside of Duncan, British Columbia, when she said she felt like something was watching them. I looked over to the right and there it was, she recalled, to Kalana Now. I couldn't make it out at first and thought, oh, that is a strange color. That's not a tree. After realizing what it was, Gallant stopped and looked at him and he didn't stop, she told Victoria News. I looked at him and said, hey, you stop it. And he stopped. That's when I started filming. Gallant can be heard on the video yelling out instructions to make the cougar go away. Get out of here, bad kitty, and I'll fight you. It didn't respond to that either, Gallant said. I wonder why. It just stayed locked onto me and seemed really interested, so that is when I decided to stop recording and try to do something else. I quickly rifled through my iTunes and found Metallica. Don't trade on me! She explained. I thought it was the noisiest thing on my phone that would probably scare it. That was also the message I wanted to convey to the cougar. As soon as it started to play, he buggered off into the bush. I guess he didn't want to eat anything that leaves a Metallica taste in his mouth. Oh, Gallant is also a comedian. Gallant credits Metallica's music with sparing her a possibly unpleasant encounter with the big cat. I would love to contact them. I would love to contact them someday and tell James Heffield that he saved my life. She laughed. Well, good news for you. I know for a fact that James Hetfield downloads, subscribes, and listens to every single episode of Metallica. so I'll be sure to have him reach out to you yeah and now that is the perfect transition into the official start of part 6 of Metallica's Black Summer starting with track 6 off the Black Album
0: Don't Tread on Me
1: Arguably the most controversial song on the Black album, Don't Tread on Me. When I say controversial, I do not mean musically. Nothing Else Matters is probably the most musically controversial song. Because, oh my god, they wrote a love song! But subject matter wise, Don't Tread on Me is arguably the most controversial. It's funny, on an album that has a song called The God That Failed, which people ignorantly thought was about Satan, because every heavy metal band must worship Satan, that a song that is pro-America would go on to be the more controversial track, because people did not feel it was pro-America as much as it was pro-war. And people, even to this day, might still be scratching their heads. How did the band who wrote One, the song One, who recorded that Masterful Music video using clips of the anti-war movie Johnny Got His Gun, how did that same band, one album later, write a song like this? I'm not sure where this quote is taking from, but it was sent to me by Metallica's militia member, Joshua Sullivan. He found it on the Wikipedia page about the track. And according to James Hetfield, he said the song was a reaction to the anti-American tone of Injustice for All. This is the quote. This is the other side of that. America is a fucking good place. I definitely think that. And that feeling came about from touring a lot. You find out what you like about certain places, and you find out why you live in America, even with all the bad, fucked-up shit. It's still the most happening place to hang out. He also said, in another quote, I love the song, but it shocked a lot of people because everyone thought it was pro-war when they thought we were anti-war, and all we're doing is writing songs. We're not standing politically on any side. Don't Try On Me was just one of those Don't Fuck With Us songs. And obviously, referencing the flag and the snake and what it meant, it all tied into the Black Album and the snake icon on the album cover, and I think it's great to play that song live. We're over here in Europe playing it, and people aren't appalled by the songs. We haven't played it in Iraq or Iran yet, though. So, a lot of that quote we're going to dig into with more detail. But, it's funny. The Black Album, musically, was a reaction to Injustice For All. Right, We've talked about this on the previous parts of Black Summer. Injustice for All has these long, progressive songs. The Black album is stripped down, more streamlined, better production, more concise songwriting. Just all around a cleaner, some might say more commercial package. So lyrically, Don't Run On Me is the opposite of what you find on Injustice for All with a song like One. And the overall theme of Adjust for All obviously was kind of looking at the ugly side of America, whether it be the justice system, or whether it be, you know, the communist witch hunt of the nineteen fifties in the shortest straw or whatever. So James Hetfield's just bouncing it out here. And Metallica is historically not a political band. Musically or in interviews or and they keep that to themselves in that last quote though from Hatfield, he mentions the history behind it he mentions the flag he mentions the snake he's referring to the gadsden flag which is an historical american flag uh it has a yellow field and in the middle has a rattlesnake coiled and ready to strike and when you look in the bottom right corner of the black album there is a variation of that rattlesnake. Positioned below the rattlesnake are the words, don't tread on me. The flag is named, just to give you a little history lesson here, after American general and politician Christopher Gaston, who designed it in 1775 during the American, uh, during the American Revolution. It was used by the Continental Marines as an, as an early motto flag. This is a quote I got from songfacts.com, says, Use of this flag and variations of it by American soldiers, sailors, and marines grew fast and widespread during the American Revolution. There is a great historical significance and meaning to this flag, and it is heavily linked to the Metallica song. The idea of the rattlesnake as a symbol of America was first thought of by Benjamin Franklin when he published the world's first ever political cartoon in 1754. It was a rattlesnake cut into several pieces and each part labeled a different colony. Under the snake, it said, join or die, encouraging colonial unity and standing up to the homeland monarchy ruling them from across the sea. Over the next two decades, the rattlesnake, or more specifically, the American timber rattlesnake of the northeastern states, gained popularity. And then it says, notice the rattlesnake on the cover of Metallica's Black that I mentioned before. So this song, not so much pro-war as it is pro-America. Even the beginning of the song samples the song, America, from the famous Broadway musical, West Side Story. I
0: like to be in America, okay by me in America. For a in America! Okay, a
1: should be noted that part of the controversy was the fact that the Gulf War was going on at the time this album was released. And there is a famous quote from Rolling Stone magazine. They reviewed the Black Album at the time of its release and gave it four out of five stars. It was reviewed by Robert Palmer. And the final paragraph of the review states this, Metallica's only sour note is don't tread on me, which seems unequivocally jingoistic. After the impassioned protests against war and social injustice on Injustice for All, tread comes as a shock. Message to the members of Metallica, check out the lavishly funded Hill and Knowlton public relations campaign that sold the Gulf War to America's couch potatoes. Do a little research on the game of musical chairs that finds Republican bigwigs shuffling back and forth between top-level cabinet posts and keyboard room positions with certain oil-rich multinationals. Go fight in a war yourselves. Then wave the flag and jump on the yellow ribbon bandwagon if you still want to. Don't me rings hollow in its music as well as its lyrics. The only outright bummer on an otherwise exemplary album of mature but still kick-ass rock and roll. So famously, Lars Ulrich said that he had no clue what jingoistic meant, and he had to look it up in the dictionary. For those of you who do not know, it is an adjective defined as characterized by extreme patriotism, especially in the form of aggressive or warlike foreign policy. And Lars said it really pissed him off to read that. But what are you going to do? Songs are open to interpretations, and if you're going to read into a song a certain way you might be offended even that was not the intent of the lyrics going back to the Heffield quote it is also funny to hear him say he likes to perform the song live because (laughs) the song has barely been performed live since 1991 the song has only been performed 17 times one seven It did not get performed until 2012. So about 20 years after the release of the Black Album. And it has not been performed since 2012 either. So it was performed 17 times in that one year. And I think that James Hetfield has a love-hate with this song. Because he also told Playboy in that famous playboy interview back in I believe it was 2001 that musically don't tread on me is not one of his favorite songs so he has sort of contradicted himself but you know he has the right to change his opinion as we all do especially since he is one of the main songwriters of this black album track let's hear what members of the metallica's militia had to say about don't tread on me and for the second straight week, everybody who wrote an opinion about these songs did so through Flick Chat, a free app that I'm pushing to help build the Metalcast community. So please download it for free, use the code Metalcast, and join the group. Uh, it is a small group still, but it is growing. We went from about five to fifteen in one week, so we are officially in the double digits. And everybody in the group has been an active member. So let's keep the group growing let's keep the conversation going i really like the app and i feel like everybody else in the group has really enjoyed it so far too richard as he wrote in flick chat always thought it was curious the same band who wrote disposable heroes in one went on to write don't tread on me not saying that it's explicitly pro-war because i don't think it was intended that way but one of many examples of how metallica contained multitudes so definitely something i touched upon and Richard adds, and I thought this was an excellent point. Definitely a big influence on Pantera's walk with its shuffle feel. You can definitely make a musical comparison between those songs. <sack surface> <languageserto> right. so like da I already mentioned Joshua Sullivan, but another huge shout-out to him. Uh, he sent a lot of information about Don't Tread on Me. And, of course, no episode would be complete without hearing from Ralph Savetto. He writes, oh yeah, two-for-one special. Sweet! Uh, time for me to chime in. First off, I want to say I love both songs. Maybe one a bit more than the other. I'm just going to read what he said about Tread, and I'll share what he said about Through the Never Late in the episode. But he writes about Don't Tread on Me, the song that James stated was about the Gadsden flag that was created in 1775 just in time for the revolution that birthed our wonderful country. This song definitely reflects what it's about, as it has an almost... Marshall feel, like ones about to march off to war. It did feel a bit odd that the band that made songs like One and Disposable Heroes made a song such as this, especially during the time leading up to the Gulf War. At first glance, it seems really out of step with the band's stance on war from the past as it reads like an uber-patriotic pro-war screed. However, if you take James's word for it, one could definitely see how the song is just about the revolutionary war-era flag and not some pro-war diatribe. Anyway, Hatfield does a great job with the lyrics and vocals here and conveying the flag's meaning, not its current one. As stated earlier, the songwriting by Hatfield Elric is excellent here as one gets a martial feel from it. Kirk plays a quality solo here and Lars is on point with his drumming. Jason also delivers some great bass lines, too. Unfortunately, the song gets a very little live love, and I've never had the pleasure of seeing it performed in person. Maybe one day, though, one can dream. And like I always say, be like Ralph. Hashtag be like Ralph. Um, I got in a little friendly war with other podcasts, Sabbath Bloody Podcast, uh, Skinnered Reconsidered, and uh, the Deep Purple Podcast, all fighting over our Ralph affection, because uh, he is such a great listener to all of our shows, and we much appreciate it. So, be like Ralph. Hashtag, be like Ralph. And I'm going to be playing two cover songs this episode. So, here is a cover of Don't Tread On Me. Richard, as he uh, recommended this cover, and I really enjoyed it. It was a really cool arrangement. Heavy, but brought it in a different direction. It's from a band called Hawkeyes and it's from the Crane Magazine Black Album Tribute. Before i move on to through the never one last quote about don't tread on me this one again from james setfield but from february 1992 it sums up the song nicely and it gives you great insight into his thought about the song he says don't tread on me is about the flag basically not the united states flag but the snake flag one of the first revolutionary flags we had it's basically a, a historical song. We never hopped onto any bandwagon when the war in the Persian Gulf started. People see the word war in a song and they freak. We were getting calls to do that give peace a chance video. Peace off, motherfucker. (laughs) if you ask me, I don't think this band was really against this war when I told people that, they freaked especially the ones who wanted us to do that video it's like the new trend was all hippy, dippy, peace, love, this and that but then when we started crushing the Iraqis, people got all patriotic all of a sudden and I thought, yeah, okay, as long as it's a blowout, cool as long as our guys don't die, fuck it back to the song, though, it says war but the line is, to secure peace is to prepare for war which is a quote from the 1880s or something It's it's basically about how the snake became the logo and I got that quote from Metallica in their own words, a book I quote a lot by Mark Putterford. It's just a collection of quotes from the band members. My edition of the book is old, so it basically goes from the beginning days to the black album days, which is perfect for Metallica's Black Summer, which continues now with Through the Never. Through the Never. All it is, ever. Through the Never, one of the thrashier songs on the album. I always really liked the beginning when the feel almost changes instantly. The way the drums accent with the guitars, just beautifully, masterfully done. Not straight up thrash like you would hear on a previous record, but this song along with the struggle within and holier than thou, probably the closest we get to the 80s thrash of Metallica. Um, this is a quote I got from songfacts.com. It says, Mainly produced by Bob Rock, the Black Album was a departure from the thrash metal style of Metallica's previous recordings and saw the band moving towards a more commercial heavy metal sound. This song was one of the departures from the previous output. Rock recalled to musicradar.com in a 2011 interview, It's funny talking about some of these songs and remembering my learning curve and understanding what Metallica were all about. While I was helping them be the best band they could be, I was getting so much insight into what made them tick. Each day brought discovery on both sides, theirs and mine. It took me a while to realize what was good in Through the Never, but once I did, I realized that it was quite good. And what's good is there's a bit of a fiery punk rock vibe to it. A new shade, a new color. That was exciting. Previously, I thought their influences were all metal, but talking to them and understanding that they had other sides to them really opened my eyes. Once I saw where they were coming from, The song made total sense. And of course, this cannot be confused with the 2013 concert movie Metallica Through the Never. I always wondered why they decided to name the movie after this song. Especially since the song has nothing to do with the goddamn movie. They do not perform it in the concert. It's not really referenced. So, why? But I did find this quote. James Hetfield explained to Artist Direct. He says, When we were naming the movie, it was similar to how we name songs or albums, he said. We thought, what's this thing's nickname? What's it telling us? Sometimes there are song titles you write, and they're intense. They need to have a song around them. Other times, you're just naming it. We had a working title for this movie. We had no idea. With the album Death Magnetic, which, of course, was the most recent album out when Through the Never came out. With the album Death Magnetic, we had no idea what it was going to be called after continued. We came up with the incapacing topic or name that could sound soundbite what it is. Through the Never just fit that because there is no way of describing this movie. What is it? Is it concert footage? Is it narrative? Is it an action film? Is it a documentary? What is this thing? Nobody knows what it is. We don't what it is to be known. We came up with a title that was just as vague as the movie could be laughing
0: (laughs) we are laughing
1: on the episode of the Colbert report we did there was a joke like what is through the never beyond the sideways he was making fun of it which put me in stitches man Hatfield added it was like what the hell does that mean for me the song through the never was about exploring man's mind and how limited we are in a way this movie maybe breaks through some boundaries of course the movie can be a conversation for another time that is an entirely new episode. Let's focus on the song. Heffield says in this quote, it's about exploring man's mind and how limited we are. And when you look at the lyrics, that definitely comes across. All that is, was, and will be. Universe much too big to see. Time and space never ending. Disturbing thoughts, questions pending. Limitation of human understanding. We are specks in the world the universe is vast it is who knows what it is right outside of our little bubble outside of our little galaxy who knows what is on the other side the lyrics also question where we came from what was our origins in the dark see past our eyes pursuit of truth no matter where it lies which i always love that line pursuit of truth no matter where it lies Gazing up to the breeze of the heavens, on a quest, meaning reason, come to be how it begun. All alone in the family of the sun, curiosity teasing everyone, on our home there is stone from the sun. A part of this song that I really like too is it transitions from thrashier part to the bridge. Which is a little bit sludgy. Great sludgy, heavy riff. And the vocal melody adds a lot of groove to it. The way the vocals accents with the riff makes it very groovy. Groovy man, peace. But seriously, that vocal melody. On, through, the, never we must go on through the never out to the edge of that is rhythmically almost something you would expect to hear like in a hip-hop song as a great great groove to a great bounce to it did i literally just say groovy and bounce to it <laughs> fuck me Let's see what the Metallicast militia has to say about Twisting, turning through the never. Richard S. He writes, Again, on Flickchat, Download the app and join the group Metallicast. I do like Through the Never, but it's so unusually short. The rare Metallica song that feels like it wants to be longer. I could imagine a prog thrash band like Voivod or Vector tackling it. Yeah, this is a short song. And does not feel how do I say it? It feels like a complete song, but yeah, you're why am I trying to figure out how to say it? You said it perfectly. It makes you want more. hardwired is a short song, but it feels complete. It leaves you satisfied through the never you're you want to see what other directions they can take it, in my opinion. It leaves you wanting more. and the fact that it is such a short song, I feel like I was struggling <laughs> to come up with insightful things to say about it because it is a pretty simplified, straightforward song. It's largely built around that one riff. You know, it has the cool, heavy accents at the beginning, like I was talking about. It changes up at the bridge, like I was talking about. But really, very streamlined. Very similar to a lot of the songs on the Black Album in that regard. And of course, Ralph Saveto has something to say about Through the Never. He writes, Superb Heffield's "Our Cam-A track. This is one of the thrashier songs off the album. I adore the sentiment laid out here by Heffield about the vastness of the universe and man's quest for discovery. His delivery to me is absolutely perfect too. As is the case for all of this album, everyone's playing on this one is flawless. Kirk also has quite the scorching solo tours in the middle of the song. I also really dig the kind of breakdown right after with the on through the never bit. Luckily, I saw this one live back in 92 in the Arena Tour during the Rome Tour, but hasn't gotten enough live love either. For the record, it has been performed live 233 times since 1991, so it has been performed a lot more times than Don't Tread on Me, but not nearly as much times as other black album tracks but that also makes sense because this is a little bit of a deeper cut paul on flick chat writes never is a great song makes you wonder why they didn't play it in their movie i know i discussed this (laughs) we had a funny back and forth about this on flick chat and he made another good point too he said like the antarctica gig why did they not play trapped (laughs) (laughs) which was funny (laughs) we are laughing (laughs) That will wrap up part six of Metallicast Black Summer. A little overview of Don't Tread on Me and Through the Never. And there is a lot more Black album coming your way. Because there is a lot more Black Summer coming your way as it will roll on next week. When I and a very special returning guest will take a look at another classic song. Nothing Else Matters. And there is a lot. To talk about when it comes to Nothing Else Matters. If you want to be part of Metallicast. You want to give me your two cents about the album or any of these tracks. Please reach out. You can follow me on social media. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pod on all three. So feel free to message me or tweet me or whatever. You can also leave a voicemail at the Metallicast hotline 2035480609 as well as email, metallicast at fansnotexperts.com. And of course, I already mentioned it, but I'm going to mention it again. Download the free app, Flick Chat. I've posted the link as well on social media multiple times, and we will continue to do so. The group is growing slowly but surely. It's a great little forum to talk about our favorite band,
0: Metallica!
1: Please subscribe, download, and leave a positive review of the show. I want more five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. And I get what I want, motherfuckers. If you'd be so kind, please leave a five-star review. Thank you. As always, we're going to end with the cover, our second cover of this episode, because this is a special two, four, one. This was another Richard S.E. recommendation, so thank you, Richard, for doing a lot of my work for me this week. Uh, This band is, I'm going to pronounce it as Niera, which I might be butchering because I'm obviously very stupid. But it is spelled, for those of you who might be interested in checking it out, or checking them out, N-E-A-E-R-A, Niera. Through the Never, here's their cover. Till next time, till next week, in Part 7 of Metallica's Black Summer.
0: Middle up your ass,
1: yeah! Interrupt this podcast to let you know that the Black Album is still not in the Billboard 200, and it will be in the Billboard 200 again because Metallicast will be a competent podcast. We now return you to your cover song, already in progress.
0: not experts.